McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264, and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. If the rubber match ends in a first round knockout, you walk away with cash. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win by first round knockout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on McGregor or Poirier to win by first round knockout, you win $264. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $264 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back, everybody, to Punches and Potables. I am your host, Paul Ryan, and as always with me is my two co-hosts, my pain-in-the-ass little brother, Sean Hardy. Why do I got to be a pain-in-the-ass every single time, dude? You tell us. I'm the star of this show. I'm the only one who got a shout-out online, and yes, Corey counts. <sighs> Corey never counts. Thank you. Shut your mouth. And back with us for the first time in a good while, the man with the dragon rings in the corner over there, Rob Huber. I'm not wearing them. It's not a dragon. And back again, yeah, with you two. But I also have done this more recently than both of you. I was going to say, in all fairness, he's actually more recent than this than both of us. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. I know he is. But Y'all got it, so. Back with uh, with the all the boys together for a while. The last couple of where we've all been together. You could say the boys are back in town. This is fair. And as always, that voice you hear is our captain, editor, producer, Dan Morgan. I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm the captain now. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into it. Before we get into some of the big news, there has been an open discussion recently amongst the MMA fighters, and I figured we'd uh, throw our opinions in there. It's about the pound-for-pound rankings, and a lot of the elite fighters believe that Kamaru Usman, at this point, has earned the right to be the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the rankings. What do you think about that, Rob? Well, I'll tell you, Paul... I don't hate it. Um, no, I think that's a really good, you know, uh, a pick. I, how can you really argue it? Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a few other people that we can really throw out there. But when you're looking at his record, the devastating tear that he's been on for how long now, and the amount of people in his division that he's been able to just absolutely stomp on, just, yeah, I, I would say that I agree with it. I'm sure that we're going to, you know, have some other great names put out there, but for the most part, yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with a single person if they, you know, just brought that up in conversation. Sean? So, I would say Kamar uh, Usman right now is the number one overall fighter in the world, and the only reason I give him that is for pure activity, because if John mm-hmm. Jones was active, it would be Jones, hands down. That's the only name people 
are still ha- hanging their hat on. I have seen a couple people try to make an argument for Israel Adesanya. No, no, I his I. So Adesanya came up, and I know I might break Rob's heart with this. Adesanya kind of came up being like the next born again Anderson Silva, like he was going to finish people, and really he's had nothing but snooze fest for his last couple fights, flawless fights on his part, in a sense, in stopping Vittori from doing anything he wanted to do. I mean, Jan Blachowicz absolutely demolished the dude. And then before that, he did finish uh, Paulo Costa, which, all right, he did that one. But before that, you had Yoel Romero, which there might have been five. Like, I fought more in that fight than those two did. (laughs) And I fought to stay awake watching it. That was a harder fight than watching them two actually engage in that octagon. No, I I agree with that completely, too. Just even, even with my, you know, like the, the amount of favoritism that I do show at Asanya, it's more or less just because of his style. Like, you know, the actual style bender is because of all of the different techniques that he's able to utilize and just being someone that like did like just karate growing up for a while before I got into different forms of martial arts, like seeing someone actually use like karate instead of actual just Brazilian jiu-jitsu or straight up boxing is just a reason I'm a huge fan of him. But yeah, I mean, more recently it hasn't been as fun watching him fight. And yeah, Jan Blachowicz absolutely fucking denied him. It so. has been exactly zero episodes since Rob mentions he did karate. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now we're going to have to go back and listen to the beer fest one to see if it's ever brought up. So for me, John Jones is out, like you said, because of activity and he's moved to weight classes and yet to fight in the weight class. Um, I don't, put Israel Adesanya in that category yet. The only one who I could say might have an argument, especially if he wins his next fight. Conor McGregor. No. <laughs> is Volkanovski. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the, the problem with Volkanovski is I thought, along with 90% of the world, outside of them three judges, which obviously are the only people who matter, but I thought Holloway completely dominated him in that second title fight. It wasn't even a close fight. I don't even know how Volkanovski remotely got that fight. I agree with you, but he did get the win, and his last couple wins, if you look at are Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, and Max Holloway twice, and if he wins this fight against Brian Ortega, he does have a legit claim. Yeah, as the number two. I would put him at two behind Usman. Usman is... He's killed everybody. Oh, he's he for all those people who were saying Habib was the greatest ever at 13, 13 and 0 in the UFC with three title defenses. Usman just passed him with fourteen and zero and four title defenses. Yeah, and my problem is sorry to cut you off, Rob. Um, so we look at all the greatest fighter. I don't think Habib should even be mentioned in greatest fighter. Lightweight, greatest lightweight of all time. Well, I would put him in that no, no, no. category. People put him in this is the greatest fighter because he went. What was it, 30 and 0? 29 and 0. So he went that, and that is impressive beyond belief. I'm not saying it's not. But three title defenses ties the record for most title defenses in lightweight history. Only ties it behind BJ Penn, Frank Engert, and Benson Henderson, who all share that. And I think Jens Pulver might too, which is also crazy that nobody's gotten to four yet. But how could you put yourself in the greatest of all time with three defenses? Some of your average champions have three defenses. You're not wrong. I think more or less it's just, personally, I think there's just a lot of champions now. As soon as someone grabs a belt, I, I feel like the desire to not retain it, because obviously they want to retain their championship, but to actually put themselves out there and 
defend it has suffered. And I'd say maybe like, especially the past like five, six years, especially just, you, you just see so many different champions now just, all right, I got the belt. I'll defend it maybe once a year, maybe once every other, let's see. So, you know, I, I feel like that might attribute to it a little bit, but you know, on that, you know, Khabib, yes, uh, lightweight, definitely up there, if not one of the greatest, you know, or the greatest, but, uh, I, I think with his skill set being mostly on the ground as well, I, I would never even put him in maybe even the top five of greatest pound for pound fighters in UFC history. So you know what's crazy, and we're talking about the lightweight, is honestly the the guy who has the biggest claim to potential greatest lightweight in MMA history, believe it or not, is Eddie Alvarez. If he can claim the one FC belt, he would have won a UFC title, a Bellator title, and one FC, which is all three major organizations. I believe he won Dream when he was there. I don't think he won in Pride. He did not win a belt or a Grand Prix in Pride, but he was a successful fighter in Pride. I mean, that three. Oh, that's what more do you need in your trophy case other than three major titles and three major organizations? And a name no one's ever going to forget in the sports history. You know, he he he's been dominant. You know, his whole entire career for the most part. But going back to Rob's point about champions not wanting to defend their belt, an interim title has been has been announced for is that August or September? August. August. Yep. The Black Beast Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gunn for the interim heavyweight title. While they have a healthy champion, so we'll start off with Sean because we know how much he loves interim titles. Yeah, it's really stupid, especially since Ngannou said I'm willing to fight in September. So they couldn't wait a month? I will almost guarantee you this came courtesy of Jake Paul. And the reason I think this came courtesy of Jake Paul is people are starting to see that value that this bullshit boxing organization is doing. And now you're going to start seeing UFC champions and fighters start pricing themselves out, which I do love because I think it's going to force Dana White, the billionaire that he is, to start shelving out more money out of his pocket as base salary. And I think that's what held up the contract. And Dana White said, fuck you to Nganu. I'll just throw an intern belt. And when you're ready to come back to reality with the price tag that I want you to fight for, we'll get something done. And I think one of the cheapest low blows of it all was just the only real thing I've seen in response from the UFC about it for the most part is, oh, well, you know, he said he was willing and it didn't even have to do too much about like the money or the contract or anything. It's, he just said that he can't do August. So since they already had a live event planned and they already have it booked because now they're going to be, you know, touring instead of, you know, with the world opening back up. Like, well, since he couldn't do August, we're just going to do an interim one. Well, no, just have those same two big names in that division just fight. You don't have to make it for an interim belt. Like, yeah, you know, so the champ can't do August, whatever the reasoning is for it. You don't throw it out there like, oh, it's just because we had already booked in Houston, Texas. So we can't not have a big card that night because it's already booked and it's so close now. Why the hell is it for an interim belt? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, they didn't need the interim belt because they had another exactly. title fight that night. I believe you have Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes yeah. as the co-main event that night. Less fucking sense. Yeah, but they needed a title fight to get more than a round, dude. And but from what everything I was seeing is Nganu said he was willing to do it, but he was fighting hard against it because he didn't want to fight Derek Lewis. He wanted to wait on John Jones. And Dana White told him, we're moving on. It's not happening. 
get on board. Yeah. And he was took, drug his feet and took so long to get on board, Dana White said, screw it, we're moving on without you. So he made this interim title fight, which basically forces Francis to fight one of these guys eventually, because if he doesn't, he has a guy who has a belt who can say, I'm now stripping Francis Ngannou and making this guy the undisputed champion. So it kind of forces Francis's hand. And I don't disagree with that. I really don't. I mean, everyone needs to get past John Jones at this point, especially Sean. You know, just, <laughs> just he's not coming back. And if he does, it's going to be probably a one-time thing. Like He's never going to be an active fighter in the UFC ever again. At least I personally don't think so. So for any fighter to just wait around for that dream match, no. And it's like I said earlier, fewer and fewer title defenses seem to be happening because now fighters are picking and choosing. Is there some validity to being able to do that as the champion? Sure. But at the same time, if someone's coming up through the ranks and the UFC is going, hey, this person has a legitimate opportunity you know, at the title, this is your next fight, I don't think that you get as champion you know, or who thinks that they should have the balls enough to just be like, hey, guy who does pay me whatever that salary is, regardless if it's you know, a good one or not, no, I want to fight this person, or I'm going to wait to do what I want. Sure, then in that case, you know, I, I can see how they're forcing his hand, but I still think in such this just came out of nowhere for the most part. And you know, with the interim belt, it's it, it's it's a cheap shot at Francis Ngannou. Does he need to get on board with the false fantasy that he has of fighting John Jones? Sure, maybe it'll happen, and then you know, when John Jones shows any interest, if he ever does set it up but you can't just wait around with your hands in your pockets you know literally just waiting for that money to come in and never defending your belt so it's it's rough i still don't like the interim title aspect of it i would have thrown something else his way and just said deal with it but you know we'll we'll see what comes of it i think Derek lewis though personally if we're going to talk about the fight is going to steamroll the whole entire thing maybe literally I don't know, man. Cyril Green seems to be a legit up-and-comer. The problem is, is like for a heavyweight, Cyril Green is very boring. He is a very boring fighter to watch. Gone. I was you know, about to say, I was or like... gone. Yep. Green, gone, whatever. <laughs> All right, my bad. You, you made me question it, because I'm so, sitting here, I'm just like... Yeah. Say it with confidence, and people will believe it. <laughs> exactly. That's, so, that's why you had me... T- <laughs> that's right. He, um... He's not a very entertaining fighter. Did he beat some guys? Yeah, he just beat Volkov. He did... Uh, he, he did finish an uh, aging JDS. So, yes, he's got some big names under his belt. Derek Lewis has obviously been on the tear. Derek Lewis has. But what I don't like about this intern belt is the one forgotten guy who's argu- who is the greatest heavyweight of all time right now, and barring he's out on injury, which I haven't seen that he is, should be the guy lined up to rematch Ngano considering they are one and one against each other and both have won in dominant fashions. He it. I understand you're going with Stipe, but he said he wanted to take time off to bulk up and put on the weight that he thought was necessary to compete with guys like Ngannou. Mm-hmm. And they did offer him John Jones, and he accepted the fight, but Jones did not. Okay, so again, I still don't think you should have a title fight without either one of them. But my point being is this title fight, outside of Derek Lewis's possible entertainment value, I think you're going to get another snooze fest. You're either going to get Gon, who's going to be nervous to engage like he get, he was against Rosenstrike, where he was nervous and he sat on the outside and he tried to pick him apart, which, yes, I understand he got the win. I'm also a big advocate of win any way you can. But for me, if you're going for the belt, dude, you 
you got to have some sort of entertainment shock value. Something has to say this guy's a title contender. And for Gon, it's really done nothing for me, to be honest with you. I would have liked to see him maybe get the winner of Curtis Blades' next fight. Then he gets a title shot. I like that. But, like, this interim belt is, as someone said, whether it was Paul or Rob, is a smack to the face to Nganu, and it's almost disrespectful to any champion. Well, my big thing is with a lot of these new champions is they want to come up and get the belt, and then they want to hold on, and they want to call their shots. Yeah. You're not the challenger anymore. You can't call your shots. You fight the next guy up. Now, if you clear out the division or if, you know, there's nobody left, call your shot. Like, um, back in the day, it was GSP. It was supposed to be Johnny Hendricks. And he said, I'll fight Johnny Hendricks, but I want Nick Diaz first. But he also had 10 title defenses at that point. At that point, you give the guy what he asked for. But Francis doesn't have a single title defense. You can't be out there making demands saying, I'm going to wait on John Jones. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. Fully agree. Yeah, that's, um, that's, it's getting really, really annoying at this point. And it all started, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago. I wonder by who. When someone became the first double champ. Yeah. Even though he had zero defenses in any way, shape, or form. And that's when it's all crazy. this nonsense started. Because outside of, really over the last couple of years, outside of Holloway being saying that I'm the 145, I'm the king, and I ain't going anywhere. I mean, right now, think about it. If Adesanya didn't have the belt at 85, do you think Usman wouldn't be talking about going up? The only reason he hasn't talked about going up is because Adesanya has that belt. Yeah, because they're both from Africa and they're friends and he doesn't want to go fight his friend. He said he won't go yeah. up there and challenge for the 85 belt as long as Adesanya holds it. Which I respect. But, like, my point being is this whole jumping ships thing was started years ago. Dana White loved every second of it. And he loved every second of the fighters trying to make money and doing this. And now his champions are sitting back going, nah, I want the money fight. He's, going, he's, he's having himself a little piss party and literally throwing, well, fuck you, I'll just put an intern belt on it. You created this monster years ago, and now you got Triller, who's influencing your fighters. Think of that. A celebrity boxing organization is influencing one of the highest-powered combat sports community. It's, it's influencing their fighters on how they should and shouldn't be taking fights. Jake fucking Paul is influencing UFC fighters right now. Sean, can you explain to me what a piss party is and what happens at one? It's a party in which uh, you piss all over everyone's great ideas. I don't know, Dan. I didn't have a good answer for it. You know? <laughs> I just wanted to know. I never heard it. You know I'm I mean? fairly certain. I mean, you've got two really big uh, screens here. I'm fairly certain if you go to a no, site called... No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Just make sure you go to incognito that. mode. Not going to do that. So it doesn't throw off your algorithm, and the next time you go, the front page yeah, isn't just a whole bunch of piss parties. You'll see Dana White and, like, Vince McMahon right at the top. For sure. <laughs> Along with a list of viruses he just put on his computer. <laughs> oh, goddamn, we got out of class, pal. <laughs> oh, he's got a phone for that. You don't do it on the computer. Fucking rookie. I, was, I, I know this is 100% off topic, and it's my fault, but... I just realized uh, the other day that the PS4 has, like, the internet-like tab, and I was like, oh, no. 65-inch <laughs> like, TV just seems like a little too much for that to all just be right there in such a large fashion. Pun intended, I guess, as well. All right, so, Paul, what's our next topic? Back to the UFC, please. <laughs> Shut me the fuck up. I was going to let you keep going and dig in that hole. I know. That's why I need you to, you know. All right, moving on. We're going to jump right into the big pay-per-view. This weekend, and that guy, you know, that 
Sean mentioned earlier who kind of started this whole thing with the champions. He didn't mention anyone. He just said a monster. We don't know who he's talking about. We know who he's talking about. He is. We all know. We do. He's part of the main event this weekend, but we'll get to the main event eventually. We're going to start off with the first fight on the main card. Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Chris Montino. Who? Sean? No, we all know Sugar <laughs> Sean. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be Lewis Smolka, which I actually thought was a good fight for him because Smolka was a guy who actually got cut by the organization and fought his way back. So I thought that would have been a really good test for Sean O'Malley, but he got hurt, he dropped out, and they had to look for a new opponent. Now, I saw some ranked guys did offer to step in on short notice in the number 14, Cody Stamen, and the number 10, Marab Dwalishvili, offered to fight him, but they gave him or he accepted, I don't know which way you want to look at it, a no-name guy, first fight in the organization, making his debut in Chris Montino, who, if you haven't seen him, looks like a dollar store version of Sean O'Malley. <laughs> he really does, though. I thought it was a joke when I seen the picture. No, no joke. He doesn't even, on the UFC site, he's not even listed. It's a silhouette still. Like, yeah. the name is up, but they don't even have a picture of him. Yeah. Hence, hence it being his debut as well. I'd much rather look this up than Piss Party. <laughs> <laughs> How amazing would it be if like, you just Google that guy's name and like, the first thing on Google Images is just some form of a Piss Party and it's just like, God damn it! <laughs> I hope you guys know that all your phones are listening to this. <laughs> so yeah. something is going to come up on your Amazon. So, so is yours. <laughs> damn, they almost have like, they have the same colors in their chest piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird, man. It, it is. But no, I mean, that, that silhouette is still just a testament to the fact that he's, you know, it's his debut. He's probably, if he happens to get a clean victory in a stylish fashion over Sean, yeah. Apparently he doesn't have any legs either because his leg reach is zero inches. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it's going to be a problem. All right. So in terms of uh, showing Sugar Sean any favoritism, I was going to say, no, I really don't think they are. I think he would have taken any fight. But um, if now you're saying we got a guy with no legs trying to take him, <laughs> I'm going to say it's going to be a devastating win, and they're setting Sean up for uh, some, some easy victories here. Well, right now the betting odds, Sean is a minus 835 favorite. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's accurate. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably too low. It should be a walkthrough. Sean O'Malley should walk through. I mean, if he loses this fight, it's, he might as What's he going to do when he loses this fight? Say, walk around to the media and tell him how he didn't lose it again? Like, in his mind, he's still undefeated? Sean O'Malley should walk through this fight. It shouldn't, even, it shouldn't last more than two rounds. Yeah, he, need, he needs something to really help that image again um i mean i still think he's an incredible fighter uh but yeah that that kind of tainted it a little bit when last time he got you know taken to the cleaners he he really just walked around you know kind of like someone with a red hat with white letters saying i didn't lose and you know like stuck by it you know just like 
heavy as hell. Like, yeah, he he needs he needs to come back and he needs a devastating win. And like, a, a, this can't go to decision. It can't go all three rounds. And if it does, he's got to you know absolutely kill this person in the middle of the octagon, one way or another. And if he doesn't, especially with the you know lob of an unranked fighter making their UFC debut, it's going to be really tough to you know stand by him after that if he maintains that cockiness. It's like. It, it's kind of like he almost might need like that Conor McGregor reset where obviously it was all just a facade and like, you know, we didn't really, you know, get tricked by it. But for him, it kind of seemed like, Oh, I'm coming back humble when I fought cowboy. That was a one-time deal. But you know, if, if he happens to lose this upcoming fight, then he's really going to need to take a step back and kind of come back with a little bit of humility for people to want to continue watching him. Well, I think like what drives me crazy with him is not really him; it's his fans because they they bought into that whole. He's still undefeated. Chito Vera didn't beat him. Chito Vera's not that good. It's crazy. Chito Vera's very good. Yeah, he's lost one. I think he in his last ten fights he's uh, eight and two, and one of those losses is Jose Aldo. Yeah, like give the dude his credit. Oh, absolutely. Now I think, and I know you're probably going to disagree with me, but if those offers were valid that the UFC signing him up for this one or him taking this one is trying to protect him, trying to slowly build him and keep him away from the ranked guys as long as they can so he doesn't turn into the next Paige Van Zandt or Sage Northcutt. Which is smart on their part because obviously from the two names you just dropped, you know, we saw what happened there. Um, but it's just so difficult to say just because we're stuck in that you know, limbo of what what actually happened without any knowledge of that you know what happens behind closed doors with the contracts and everything you know is this something where maybe because he's got a little bit of a celebrity status to himself uh he has that momentum kind of like you said like the losses he had you know aren't you know really going to set him back too much in the people he lost to is it he's getting the opportunity of kind of saying hey like you know what are all of my options okay let's let's keep going back and back and back uh this guy here you know or is it you know the ufc was just like yeah you know all right we need someone to help this guy out with his debut and you're a big name you know we we don't know which way it's going i personally think they're not protecting him i think he still at least is cocky enough to the point where if they would have given him any of the guys who stepped up he would have taken them I don't think it was him. I think it was the UFC. Whether they're protecting him or not, I think Sugar Sean O'Malley is still confident enough to just walk in with any of the guys they would have put down on you know, the contract. You can be confident and still be smart. If you're given the choice, why aren't you going to take the easiest route and put another win in your record when that's honestly what matters more in the grand scheme of it is having a cleaner record, is having a a longer streak. And especially when you're on the main card, you want to be putting up W's. So I don't think it matters who made the decision. I'm sure it's, like anything, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like I'm sure he probably would have, you know, he would have taken whatever was was brought to him, but I'm sure he had a say, and I'm sure they took his say into consideration considering he's, he's a pretty big name for them. Uh, when you go back to him being such a heavy favorite, and I know you pulled the minus 835 off DraftKings on FanDuel, he's minus 950, so a huge difference in FanDuel. So if you were ever so inclined, definitely take it on DraftKings. But uh, to win by knockout or TKO, he's minus 240 as well, which I don't hmm. know if I've ever seen such a heavy method of victory favorite on any sports book in 
my short UFC betting life. So that just kind of tells you what is really in play here. Yeah, so I don't think the UFC is protecting Sean O'Malley in some senses. And I still completely find it disrespectful that you talk so negatively towards Paige Van Zandt because the girl was thrown nothing but top dogs and legitimized herself as a potential top 15 strawweight. Sage Northcott? Yeah. We can talk about him being a waste. Van Zant was not. And honestly, until she left Alpha Male, that's when her career went downhill. When she was there, she was a legitimate fighter in the strawweight. In the strawweight division. So... Back to my point being, I don't think they're protecting Sean O'Malley. You can roll your eyes all you want, but she did beat some top fighters in that 115-pound division, including your girl Felice Herring and Beck Rawlings. So let's not sit there and, you know, destroy Paige Van Zandt. Yes, did she kind of crash and burn, and is she making more money through Instagram and her weird attempt at OnlyFans, but not OnlyFans? Yeah. But as far as a UFC fighter goes, she really wasn't that unsuccessful. Listen, I would like to crush Paige Van Zandt. I was just about to say, I'm, I'm kind of upset that you actually went through that all so quickly. So I was waiting for you to take that breath after saying, destroy Paige Van Zandt, and yeah. just quickly add in the comment of... Don't want to destroy that? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Oh, for sure. Hello? I don't, she's probably the best-looking mixed martial artist to have ever done it. Ooh, Valerie Loretta. There's so many. <laughs> Whatever, dude. We can debate that aspect later. Yeah, let's do that in another, for another episode. I'm, I'm all for that. We can literally scroll through Instagram and do that. But <laughs> four, four, four overweight white dudes in a basement uh, judge women's appearances. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll great, go over really well. <laughs> and their fighting abilities. Don't mix that out. So, anyway, back to it. I don't think the UFC is protecting Sean O'Malley. Um I don't think there's anything more to it because, like Rob said, you don't know what happened there. All these fighters can come out and say, oh, I I called him out on Twitter, and then they got sent a contract, and then they sent something back like, well, I can only make 140. Well, Sean O'Malley doesn't have to accept that. Why does he have to accept someone being able to only make 140 to 145 when he did what he was supposed to do, got to the fight at the right weight? So I don't knock Sean O'Malley for taking this. Plus, like they said, wins and losses are what matters. He goes in, he steam. Actually, it's a major career risk taking this guy. Because if O'Malley loses this, mm-hmm. that hype train's gone, and he just gave it to an up-and-comer. Now, do I think he needs to get a top 15, top 10 fight in the near future? Yeah, if he wants to keep this you know, this hype train alive. Yeah, he does. But you can, you can only beat the people in front of you. And right now he's got a guy that looks like a D-grade version of himself. I wonder if that's going to like be... A- the downfall of it all. Maybe he's too scared to hit himself. <laughs> can, can we put him on a timeout, like a, like a two second, like a two minute mute? Just just mute Rob. Yep. There we go. <laughs> I'm still here. Hi, Sean. How you doing? He's still physically here. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he can't yell because it just echoed in my ear. <laughs> so it's not like he can't do that. Yeah, well, we'll go. I still think they're protecting him. Not maybe not this way, but just with who they're giving him. Like every fight he's had has been against a striker. He's not fought a wrestlers or a strong grappler. They're trying to keep things for him. They're trying to keep the hype train go- going. They're trying to make money off the kid. I get it, but eventually, you're not going to be able to protect him. Eventually, you're going to have to give him a top guy. Right. And eventually, but right now. Keep the hype train alive and keep making money off them. 
You know assholes are going to go out and buy this pay-per-view just because Sean O'Malley's name's on it. Our younger brother's probably one of them. Hmm. He is an asshole. Right. This is right. This is true, but we also know he has terrible taste. Well, he's part of your family. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, coming from a guy wearing a green Dallas hat. That you <laughs> bought me. Yeah, I didn't say I had good taste either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but moving on to the next fight. This one has some implications because one of these girls is who Misha Tate wanted in her return fight. So the winner of this fight could be running into the legend in Misha Tate if she wins her comeback fight. And it is Irene Aldana versus Yana Kunitskaya. To be 100% fair, I forgot that the second bout on the main card was a female fight. And I thought you were just insulting just two male fighters. I was just like, dude. I was just like, that was a little harsh. And then I was like, oh, no, yep, I'm getting the, the second and the third fights. With Matt. I was out. waiting for Paul to give these names a shot. He's always really good with them, but I thought this one might get him. But that sounded good. It's always it's too good. I do my best. I take my best guesses. No, he doesn't. He practices them in the mirror. with. The yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was thinking. He gets like that thing you get in the dictionary where it's Sounds it out perfectly so you know exactly what it's supposed to sound like. You just That's hit, how he does it. Hit the little speaker on Google Translate. And it's like, Jan Blokovics. Jan Blokovics. Yeah. <laughs> you can both kiss my ass. But uh, complimenting you. So was. It's like this... one of your only redeeming qualities is you can pronounce Russian names well. <laughs> Fuck off. Um... <laughs> But this is a more classic fight of striker versus wrestler. Mm -hmm. Yana needs to get in, make it dirty, grapple, uh, dirty boxing, wrestle, where Aldana wants to stand and trade and show off her striking, especially since in her last fight she was outclassed. So she kind of needs to come out clean and get back on the winning trip. I mean, she was outclassed by Holly Holm. It's not like she was outclassed by yeah. a scrub. Like, she was outclassed by Holly Holm. That, that, that was going to be my point on that one. As soon as I pulled up this bout, I was just like, yeah, okay, yeah. Holly Holm, like we always bring up, is, you know, a big name. It's, it's sometimes when you're looking at your record, you have to look at who you lost to. Well, so, I, I believe mean, that's a Yana, major name. I believe Yana's last loss was Cyborg. That I don't recall. I'll go with you on it. Because she came in at 145 and challenged Cyborg for the belt, lost, and then dropped down to 35. That makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, either way, you're, you're spot on um, with this one. It's, it's going to be pretty straightforward for both fighters if they stick to their game plan. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it 100 times, but, you know, stand up and bang. As long as she can get that takedown defense going, she should be good. Um, if not... Oh, it, it might be done pretty quick on the ground. Yeah, I would say seven out of ten times when this when a striker versus grappler comes up, the grappler typically wins. Yeah. The and odds are close. Yana is a plus 100 underdog. Irene is a minus 125 favorite. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that whatsoever. Um, I, in this matchup, I genuinely believe that, you know, is whoever sticks to their game plan better is really just going to dominate. Like, not, not so much, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be one where we have to wait and see. Like, okay, are, are we going to get to the third round before we really see someone really sticking to a certain plan or taking advantage? I think it's either going to go one way or another, but I don't necessarily see one as an overwhelming favorite here. Uh, you know, I think 
if it stays up, it's going to be within the you know early minutes of the first uh, the second round. Uh, if it goes to the ground, I think it would be pretty much done you know within the first or second if if we can get it there. But you know, really, that's it. Anything else, Sean? No, not really. I think you guys kind of hit everything on the head there. It's 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 pretty straightforward in this one. All right, moving on to the heavyweight fight of the night. Everyone's favorite, Greg Hardy. <laughs> oh. Versus Ty Tuivasa. At first I thought this was the Dolphins quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I mean I think your your sarcasm says it all. You know, obviously none of us want Greg Hardy to Fuck win. Fuck Greg Hardy. We we would love to see him get knocked out in the middle of the octagon. Uh Oh, is that going to happen? This is the only upsetting aspect of it. I mean, How does this guy keep getting big spots like this, dude? Because he keeps winning, unfortunately. Yeah. He well, lost his last fight. Yeah, I was going to say he lost his last fight, but the problem is I think just because like the four guys like us, I think more people are interested in seeing him potentially lose than uh, literally more people are <laughs> going in to watch him get knocked out than – actually trying to root for him like he's he's getting a draw because people want to see him get knocked out at least that's for me personally and probably the the rest of us in this room like i'm more interested in watching him get knocked out than i am actually watching him fight i feel i feel like that's a lot with um the paul dudes as well like i i will never absolutely ever buy one of those fights but i would love to see like the clip the next day of one of them just face you know on the canvas so same thing. I think a lot of a lot of people just want to see certain people get knocked the fuck out, and Greg Hardy is one where we've all just been patiently waiting, and I can't wait until the day it happens. Would I love to see it this upcoming weekend? Of course, but do I think it's going to happen in this bout? Unfortunately, no. Well, Tai Tuivasa has the power to do it, and who he's been trained by is one of the kings of the walkaway knockout in Mark Hunt. Mm-hmm. And Tai Tuivasa kind of needs the win. Well, yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm leaning towards Ty winning, whether it's a knockout, I don't know. But I'm leaning towards Ty in the category. The only way I see Greg really winning this fight is if he takes him down and he keeps him, because you don't want to stand with Ty Tuivasa, especially, like I said, being trained by and coming out of the same camp as Mark Hunt. I don't think you want to stand with Greg Hardy either, dude. Greg, most of Greg Hardy's wins are finishes. Dude, and Greg Hardy's huge, and he too. hits. He hit, dude. His. I mean, I know we talked about the heavyweight and the power. They all got power, but yeah. like, I mean, that's his big thing. Now, if Tuivasa can survive till the third round, I think Tuivasa can take it. But it's not like you got two guys big into cardio there. If that thing gets <laughs> to the third round, they're no, both good. no, they're chunky. Greg Hardy's <laughs> three inches taller. He has over five inches on his reach and almost five inches on his leg reach. Like he's enormous compared to this guy. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. But the odds right now have Tuivasa as a slight favorite as a minus 137 to a plus 110 for Greg Hardy. I think that actually tells you all you need to hear about what this fight potentially is because Tuivasa is a UFC, major UFC veteran, has fought some of the best. Greg Hardy, for not for nothing, is still an up-and-comer. I mean, his biggest fight was what, Volkov? Yep. Volkov picked them apart? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you got an up-and-comer against the established guy and... I think those odds actually kind of favor Hardy I in agree. a sense because that's that's not much of a dog at all. It's essentially even money. 
Um, and Tui Vasa, not much of a favorite at all. So I definitely agree with you, Sean. Those numbers kind of tell you that this seems like a Greg Hardy win to me. We'll see. Uh, moving on to the co-main event of the night. The nicest guy, probably in all of mixed martial arts, in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. This one, if it wasn't for the main event, could easily be fight of the night. It's a title eliminator. Yep. Absolutely is. Um, Steven is the only guy in the top five. Actually, I think in the top ten that Usman hasn't beaten yet, other than Kiesa. Um, top five, I know he's the only guy in the top five he hasn't beaten yet. So, and Gilbert Burns is, is in that, what's he, the number three? Number two. Number two. Okay, so Gilbert Burns is the number two. So you figure one win in the top five puts him right back in title contention. And Steven Thompson being the only guy who hasn't lost to Usman yet, if he wins, has to give him the next shot after Covington. I think they're giving the next shot after Covington to Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards, uh, sorry, Rob, but Leon Edwards, I, I think, hasn't. I really genuinely think he hasn't been active enough to deserve a title shot. Uh, that was word for word what I was going to say. Yep. <laughs> that's where that groan came from. Like you act like that's not what UFC usually does still. The yeah, problem right. is he's on like a he hasn't lost in ten fights and he just beat Nate Diaz. Can we talk about And I understand none of us are sold on Nate Diaz, but it's the name. Can we talk about what the UFC did to Tony Ferguson for a while? I mean, how long did it take him just to get to an intern title shot? Yeah. Problem with Tony is he kept getting hurt. Okay, so what was the problem with Leon Edwards? Like every opponent dropped out, he couldn't leave England. Like, yeah, I understand injury is, but like But a lot of that wasn't on Leon. It doesn't matter. On you still Tony, didn't show up to your job. On Tony, it was. No, he was he was willing to show up. He just couldn't get out of his country. So he couldn't show up. Or the person he was fighting couldn't show up. So he couldn't fight. So he couldn't do his job. He was ready to do his job. The other person wasn't ready to do their job. So he didn't fight. That wasn't on him. He wanted to fight. So he didn't fight. I'm so confused. So you're crying that he didn't fight because the other guy couldn't go. So how is that Leon's fault? Oh, he right. didn't fight for two, almost two years. You two fight right now. <laughs> but, like, I mean, uh, I'm sure Rob's itching to get involved here, but, like, he didn't fight for two years, and his one fight back ended in controversy when he had an eye poke that ended the fight. What could, and, and we the, could say the same thing about Colby Covington. He's fought once in a year and a half since he lost to Usman, but he's getting the next shot. Can we he, make all UFC fighters wear goggles from now on? I'm tired of eye pokes. And he just at, agreed. And he absolutely demolished a former champion Hall of Famer who – was probably on the road until uh, he got his night ended by Usman to potentially being the greatest welterweight of all time. Woodley was on that path before it was, before he got beat by Usman. So, yeah, I would skip Leon Edwards for Wonderboy or Gilbert Burns. No, I don't feel as passionately about it, but I do <laughs> agree um, that I just don't think he's been active enough. Um, but, Paul, to your point, which... Not only do I absolutely hate the guy, but, you know, it's a valid point as well. Colby Covington also hasn't done shit. And it's just because of his name that they're just going to throw him right back up there. Uh, personally, I'd love to see Wonderboy win this weekend. And I'd love to see him automatically just be the next for the title, just strictly based off of the fact that he hasn't, you know, had that opportunity against Usman yet. I'd love for, honestly, the only reason I want to see that as much as I love Wonderboy is I'd like Usman to just check off one more name in that division and then just go, okay, like, I'm the GOAT, right? <laughs> like, at this point, like, I, I, want, I want his record to continue because I just, I feel like 
he is one of few active fighting defending champions that I just really enjoy watching at this point. He's one of the few people left that I feel like once his name comes up on a card, not only am I just excited because of, you know, previous fights and what like the actual performance in the octagon would be, but just overall I think that you know, he he's not scared to get in there and defend it. So I'd say Wonderboy gets the next title shot if he happens to win this weekend. So here's my other fight for why Leon Edwards doesn't deserve it. Let me read off his last. <laughs> we're going. We're going back. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me read off his last five wins. Okay. Uh, Donald Cerrone in 2018. Gunnar Nelson 2019. RDA big name, fine, great lightweight, average welterweight 2019. No contest. The uh, Belio Muhammad 2021. Beat over a very average, though big name, Nate Diaz. What in the resume here deserves a title shot against Usman? Where's he currently ranked, Edwards? Three. Three? Okay. With that resume, uh, you're the three? I, that, that's, that's why, you know, they, they, they can't hear it in audio land. But that, Ten that, in that a was row. That, that was that shocked face. Ten you in know a row. I'm a Leon Edwards fan. Like, I like him. I just, number three in title contention already? But it, at, it the time, like, at the time when he beat those guys, they were all ranked at welterweight. In 2018, Paul. It's three years ago. Okay, so COVID hit and he couldn't get out of his country for a year. Again, how is that his fault? Cowboys fans love living in the past. That's true. Still holding on to it. But we're getting off topic. It's supposed to be about Le- it's supposed to be about Gilbert and Wonderboy. Well, that's because you're stupid and got I, it off I topic. I tried. I tried. <laughs> but I feel as an overall all-around fighter right now, Gilbert Burns is the better of the two. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Actually, I think Gilbert Burns is going to probably win the fight. I yeah, I think Gilbert Burns. The money, similar to what Dan said, is kind of like they're it's. Wonderboy is a slight favorite. The money's almost even. Yeah, if you want to bet on Wonderboy, you want to get him on DraftKings. He's minus 155 as the favorite. Uh, Burns is plus 125 on DraftKings, plus 140 on FanDuel. So if you like the dog, go to FanDuel. Yeah, I think so, that's, a, that's yeah. a smart one. I like Burns. Yeah. And you also have another good fight, which is eliminating contenders in Chiesa and Vicente Luque coming up. Yeah. Winner of that should probably be one fight away from the belt. Although Kiesa yeah. is crying that he should get the next shot. But, yeah, sorry, buddy. You're like the six or seven. I think he's the, yeah, six or seven because I believe him and Luke K are six and seven. They're fighting each other trying to get into the top five. Right. So moving on to the main event. Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier three. How do we think this one's going to go? We'll start off with Roberto. It's your daddy, Roberto. I can't imagine what Rob's going to think about this one. We've talked about this. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think, of course, it, it's supposed to be surprising I'm going against Connor, but I think it's not after the past couple of years as well as what we saw last time. You know, the, the first time that these two fought each other, Dustin always goes out and still says it to this day that, that's the fight that changed him as a fighter. He had to go in and make adjustments. He started taking things more seriously. Clearly he has. And he showed that not only in all of his past, you know, fights over the course of the past, like, three years now, but the Poirier-McGregor, too, like, Dustin just dominated. And it it was just 
I'm a McGregor fan, but it, it was almost enjoyable just to see just like how heavy he was just going at it. Like, I mean, just Poirier is a new monster, especially when it comes to McGregor. McGregor has since tried to be nice guy, but then he's also tried to go back and be, you know, cocky asshole mind games McGregor. And it's not working anymore. It's not working on a lot of people, but it's definitely not going to work on Poirier. I think Poirier saw even more of what he needed to in their second bout against each other. And now I think he's coming into this weekend even more prepared for it. Do I think that Connor is, of course, you know, a very good student of the game and he's probably going in and seeing every little thing that he did wrong? Absolutely. Do I think there's going to be some major changes that we actually see in his approach to fighting Dustin? 100%. But do I think that Dustin still comes out of this weekend as the victor? Absolutely. Sean? Yeah, I'm actually going to disagree with you. Um, cool. That's I know. what makes this podcast interesting. I know. Um, for the most part, everything you said is true. But the big difference I've seen is Conor McGregor, in, in his one rematch, he came out, he won. He, he beat Diaz, controversial decision or not, he did it. But what he did do in that fight is he made major adjustments. He didn't get taken down. He didn't gas out as early. He still gassed out in the fight, but he didn't gas out as early. And honestly, I think going into the fight with Poirier, he was so cocky and arrogant, he thought he was going to walk in, steamroll him, and call it a day. And when Poirier put him on his ass, I think you're going to have the mentality that Poirier essentially had when Connor did it to him. He went back, because from what I heard, if it's true or not, is Connor was overlooking Poirier to get to Pacquiao. So... After he got put on his ass, I think Pacquiao got completely erased from his mind. He's going in there. He's going to honestly change everything. I think he's going to check the leg kicks. I think he's going to be prepared for the takedown. And he's going to turn it into a boxing match. And as far as MMA boxing goes, Conor McGregor has some of the best MMA boxing in the game, hands down. And if it stays into a stand-up boxing-style match, it's going to go McGregor's way. Yeah, that southpaw jab is fucking ridiculous. So, Paul, why is Poirier going to win and how? <laughs> and what round preferably, because if we're talking betting odds. <laughs> Dustin is going to win by a third-round submission. So you I like just, that. Because I think, from what I've seen, it was from Artem Lobov. He was basically saying Connor's dialed in, Connor's training. He wasn't that dialed in for Dustin. But he's been gone for so long, and I don't think he has enough time from January to now to completely retool his game to stop those low calf kicks where there's not much of a defense to it. I don't think he needs to retool his entire game. I just think that he needs to focus in on just minor little details. And again, you just said it, Sean said it as well. He was overlooking Poirier before. But again, but here's the thing. He's been gone for so long and the game has changed. Oh, no, I absolutely and agree I don't with think that. He has enough time to rework like his stance to make him less susceptible to those kicks. I mean, he just needs to work on his kick defense. It needs to be more than just like trying to not let it land or just like lifting your foot up. What he really needs to focus on is once he starts seeing like the wind up for those leg kicks, which if we go back, you will see that Dustin's fairly obvious with, but it's just because Connor does have that lead leg out so far with his like, you know, but his, judo style stance. His stance is so heavy on that foot on but, that front leg. But the other thing about that kind of thing too is even if he had the time, even if, you know, all these things you're saying 
you know, his stance is what creates like his power. It's what has gotten him here. So yeah. even if you say he could take the time to fix it, would you? Would you? Would you go against what's gotten you here in favor of stopping what this one guy's probably going to do to you? Like you can't do that if you're him either. So it's just not practical, even if he could. And you're right; he didn't have the time to do it anyway. And what no. I think it's going to happen is what he's going to open up and he's going to start landing these kicks, and he's going to you know mix in his boxing. And Connor's going to get so he's going to use his striking to set up his takedowns, and eventually, and because Connor gasses, it's going he's. I think it's going to go later than it did. It's going to go past the second round. I think it's going to go past the second round, and after some kicks and some time and Connor gasses, he's going to land a takedown, and he's going to get the rear naked choke. See, my thing is I'm not saying he has to change his stance. I'm saying, yeah, the, he's more susceptible to the leg kicks because of the stance he has, but he needs to, instead of trying to just dodge or like move his front leg out of the way, which, like, great point, he's so heavy on that front one, and like your point, because that's where a lot of his power is going to be coming from, he needs to take more of a Muay Thai approach to it, which is as soon as you see that wind up happening, as soon as you start seeing the kick come in, you you don't go on the defensive. You come in and you go on the offensive with it. So as soon as Poirier starts doing that wind up, which if we go back and we look at like uh, probably a lot of his fights, but that last one with Connor, because he was just debilitating leg strikes on Connor. He has a pretty big wind-up with it. So if Connor can see that that's coming, and instead of just trying to lift his leg or move it out of the way or back up from him, actually meet him and come forward with that right jab, it would be over quick. If he could focus on that one small aspect of his game that he fucked up last time with Dustin, it, it could be all Connor all on the feet the whole entire time. And we all know that if he hits one of those jabs from Southpaw with the amount of force that he has from the stance that he has, it could be night-night for Poirier. Well, that's that's what's interesting to me when you look at the betting lines, because I know we'll talk about it, is Poirier a very slight favorite. Minus 130 on DraftKings, minus 120 on FanDuel. McGregor, plus 108 dog on DraftKings, so basically even money, very, very slight. He's actually not even, like, he is the dog on FanDuel, but he's minus 102, so you're not even getting even money on either of these guys straight up. But when you go to method of victory... The most likely method of victory per Fandle is a McGregor KO or TKO. It's the lowest odds at plus 135 with Poirier by KO or TKO at plus 185. So although they have Poirier as the favorite to win it, they do have the most favorited likely outcome of Connor knocking him out, which is crazy. So I think the other thing that we've also completely overlooked is who's back against the wall more in this fight, and that's Connor's. It is. Connor's back is against the wall. Connor needs this fight more than Poirier, which is one of your number one typical answers as why fighters are going to win, pointing at Paul. Your big thing often is who needs this fight the most. Connor McGregor needs this fight the most. I agree with that too. And it's actually like I've, uh, you know, a week or two ago, I, like I was going into this with the mindset of, oh my God, like Poirier, like this isn't going to be all that close. And as it gets closer and closer, I'm like, no, like I. I don't know if I'm even going to touch this one. I think to, uh, Paul's point is great of maybe trying to bet. Um, I think it going the distance is like plus 320. I honestly don't hate the idea of betting this one to go to this, the distance just because I think this is really going to be that good of a fight. I'm really excited for it. And if it goes the distance, we know who's winning that fight unless it's a complete and utter domination. Yeah. If it's at all close. They're going to give it to it's Dustin. It's going 
to Connor. <laughs> Are you sure about that? If it's at all close, because Connor is still the bigger star. And the one thing that we've yeah, all... Yeah, but this is the number one guy. Oh, I that don't, don't matter. It, I think it matters I, a little bit. Nah, Corey is no, no chump here, man. Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing. But if you actually look at so far as ratings-wise, like television goes... Poirier is a part and headlined one of the lowest rated shows the UFC has had on Fox. So, with that being said, the UFC isn't concerned about people as much as they are popularity. Oh, I understand. And Connor. That. that can only go so far, though. Uh, like, that's like when every year people talk about the NBA Finals and that they're going to rig it to, to see who's there. And now, look, you got Milwaukee Phoenix. Like, I'm sorry that like oh, the yeah. NBA didn't want Milwaukee Phoenix, and that's what no, they got. No, I mean, I, the only thing you gained out of that was helping Giannis, to be honest with you. But, like... The, the big thing is, is if it goes to decision, I think it's going to go Connor's way unless it's a pure domination by Poirier. So if one of the rounds is close, you gotta get, you almost got to treat Connor like a champion in this sense. If it's a close round, it's going to go to Connor for popularity-based. We've all seen it. We've all watched it. We've all seen the more popular guy get a favorite vote because typically crowd influences judges. It happens more often than we like to acknowledge. The other big thing is Dustin loves to block punches with his face. Yeah. He really <laughs> does. He takes that Frankie Edgar approach often. That Forrest and, Griffin, baby. <laughs> yeah. And Dustin's been in some wars that Connor hasn't been in. So this could potentially turn into a war of attrition, which I think eventually that chin that Dustin's got, it's got to wear down. And why not this weekend with yeah. Yeah, if anybody's going to wear it down, it's going to be Connor at this point. So that's very fair. Well, I know we've been talking about Connor's back being against the wall. So this is a question I wanted to throw to you two. With this being Connor's only like trilogy fight, is Dustin Poirier Connor's biggest rival in MMA? I would say yes, but I feel like everyone wants it to be Diaz. I, I think it's or Diaz because the UFC's hype. No, I think it's Nate because the hype that yeah. went behind. Yeah, all the drama, the water bottle throwing, all the press conference bullshit and everything. It was, I call it bullshit, but I mean, it was fun to watch at the time. And yeah, I mean, I definitely would not say So Habib. the whole bus incident with Habib? And the reason they were trying to book, push Dustin Connor so much, hoping Connor win, was to try to get Connor Khabib too? Okay, but how, how did everything with Connor and Khabib end? Here's what I'll say, even though you weren't asking it to me, apparently. I think it could be if Connor wins it. If Connor doesn't win it, then it's not. But if Connor wins it, it makes it far more interesting. And that's because of popularity. It's, and it's not <laughs> if he wins it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You see them fight again. It's very not, r- not like the next fight. Yeah, like, it's very rare. They're both going to be up there yeah. still. It's rare, but it's not impossible. So this is the most wide open the lightweight divisions have been in years mm-hmm. usually it's been locked down by one or two guys this is the first time in a while that you've got five guys right now at any point can take that belt between chandler obviously Oliveira has it gaichi dustin mcgregor and you can even throw another guy or two in the mix that to, to just throw them out there but you have these guys right now and connor and dustin are both obviously the one went away from getting that belt and i think connor and dustin both beat Oliveira. To oh, be yeah. honest with you. 100%. Right now in the betting odds, last I saw, Connor opened as a bigger favorite over Oliveira than Dustin did. I don't even know why you would have them betting odds yet, but I'm not surprised the well, UFC's looking past Offshore this. books are crazy. Yeah. But, uh, so, Sean, is your point that we need to finally uh, up the ante in the UFC and go to a fatal four-way? Because I'm all about it. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Hell in a cell. I watched the shit out of that. For <laughs> Do the you record. ever see them like Russian team MMA things yeah. where they like stomp each other out? Once one guy's out, it just turns into like a street fight brawl. Connor would legitimately die though, because I feel like I feel like that's just you know uh, going after number one. You three know, people like, would jump him just to yeah, jump him. Exactly. What What was the other one? The parkour league where they're like jumping around and getting tackled off of like. Yeah, it was insane, dude. The Russians are nuts. Ramps and then getting elbowed in the head. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, so yeah, to answer your thing, I think this is a, I'm, I don't want to say lock, but I, I I am strongly thinking, and I want Dustin to win. I want that to be very clear. I am pro Dustin Poirier, but this just lines up, including the betting line, for a Conor McGregor finish. All right, so let's make our picks. Rob, we'll start off with you. You can give us your five. My five? Jeez, I thought Main we were card, just... there's five, there's five fights. Come oh, on, dude. Is, is, that, is that how fighting and the UFC works, Paul? Thank you. Yes, uh, yes it is. So, like, are we keeping track of this score? Because I want to know how much I outpick you. I want to make sure the world knows that I'm more knowledgeable than you. <laughs> uh, so it is going to be recorded, actually. Um, yeah, but I want, I want you... this in writing. Fine, we'll start today. I got it. Thanks. Okay. Fuck you, Paul. So, I'm going with Sean O'Malley. Um, like you said, I'm probably going to take about a five or ten dollar bet on the, on the new guy. Um, I'm going to go Aldana on this one. Uh, sadly, I'm going to go for Greg Hardy. If I'm just picking winners, I don't like it, but oh well. Uh, Gilbert Burns, and then I do still think that Dustin Poirier is going to win. Sean. So I'm going to go O'Malley, Yana, Hardy. Gilbert Burns, Conor McGregor. I am going to go with Sean O'Malley, Tai Tuivasa, Yana Kunitskaya, Gilbert Burns, and Dustin Poirier. How about you, Dan? I think we have enough uh, splits in the ranks between Sean and Paul to make this one fun. (laughs) You want to make some picks, Dan? Yeah, I guess I'm going to make picks. All right, well, Sean O'Malley is a lock. Let me go back to the lines because it's easier for me to bet off that than actually knowing anything here <laughs> alright so Sean O'Malley I'll, I'll roll with Paul on Kunitsakaya I like the even money line here I, I think we, we talked ourselves in the Greg Hardy which pisses me off but if I'm trying to make money yeah Greg Hardy plus 118 dog seems nice I'm going to roll with Wonder Boy uh, the line's a little heavier on him than a lot of these fights are close other than Sean O'Malley so a lot of these can go either way. That actually makes Wonder Boy like the second heaviest favorite of the main event. So I'm going to go with him uh, to pull that one out, actually, against the green here, it sounds like. And then, man, did you all just talk me into Conor McGregor? Are you fucking kidding I'm me? I'm fairly certain you talked yourself into Conor McGregor. I may have talked myself into <laughs> Conor McGregor. Um, I was actually pretty surprised as we were going through it. You were throwing out like some really good points to almost flip me from Dustin. So. No, you know, you know what my my bet actually may be here, uh, based on some things that Paul was saying, is on FanDuel they have this double chance bet you can do. So you get um, points or a method of victory. Both you get either or. Poirier by submission or on points is plus three twenty. Mm. I think I like that for some good value. So I'll say that Poirier wins it, and I'll say that it's either by submission or it goes to decision. And unlike what Sean said, that he actually could get the win on points because I don't know if I buy that McGregor's just going to be gifted, that kind of thing. I like it. You see John Jones versus Dominic Reyes? (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk about gifted? (laughs) (laughs) I think I watched that Sugar House. 
Yeah. By the way, that's that's for me, who says John Jones is the greatest of all time. <laughs> Gifted. Yeah. Don't forget Gus One. Did you ever watch Johnny Hendricks versus GSP? Gifted. Gifted. <laughs> Fucking hate you. <laughs> I ain't never seen a man get beat up into retirement and still win the fight. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever seen it. The real goat. <laughs> he got beat up so bad he retired and somehow walked away with the belt. <laughs> Makes no fucking sense. <laughs> All right, we're going to end it there before we start another argument. Rob, anything to anything add? No, we got to end on that high note. Sean? <laughs> gifted (laughs) (laughs) all right that'll be the end of it thanks for joining us on punches both we'll see y'all later